What's going on, everybody? This is Matt Rinke, the founder of Illumination Wealth. I'm very excited to uh, have a great guest on today, Grayson LaFriends. He is the CEO and founder of Power Digital Marketing. It is an extremely fast-growing digital marketing company that has grown from three to over 130 employees over the last handful of years. The company has been on the Inc.'s fastest growing list. They're a top place to work. And Grayson himself has been the entrepreneur of the year for EO in San Diego, as well as uh, uh, awarded uh, a finalist in the Ernst & Young Entrepreneur Awards as well. So he's a top tier guy, always willing to add value and really excited to have mine. So Grayson, anything that uh, I didn't share that you want to uh, share yourself? No, that was great. Appreciate it, Matt, and excited to chat with you and uh, share what we're doing through this crazy time. Yeah, no, I appreciate it very much. And I know your company, Power Digital, has a pulse on many different industries, having worked with a lot of far-reaching companies across various industries in the United States. So can you tell me a little bit about like how the companies you are working, what you're seeing in the companies that you're working with, perhaps in the consumer segment or anything else that you're seeing that would be good for us to be aware of? Yeah, for sure. So to your point, you know, we have a, a pretty cool vantage point uh, in general and definitely through this time because we work with about 200 different brands um, across uh, a variety of business models and, and industries. And what we've seen so far is, I mean, the first three weeks of this were just very, very turbulent. You know, for us, it was like we were taking haymakers to the chin, you know, every day and just a lot of people that were, were scared, didn't know what to do, and really just looking for guidance and direction. Um, and then since then, it's really kind of, you know, slowed down and, and uh, you know, become more balanced. But what we've seen across our base is probably, you know, 30 of the 200 clients are really, really negatively impacted by this. You know, uh, you know brands like, uh, you know, gems that can't, uh, they just can't generate revenue, um, you know, clients that are in hospitality or, or the, the food business. So it's really difficult if you can't generate revenue, uh, you know, that, that makes it tough. Um, and then there's probably 30 or 40 that are winning in a really big way because of this, where with a new customer journey and, you know, where people are, uh, it's causing them to have a lot of demand for their products. And then the rest of them are kind of in the middle. They're kind of like us. They're probably more negatively impacted. Things are a little bit harder. They need to be even scrappier and better with the way that they approach their business. Um, but they're not necessarily seeing a, a huge decline or anything of that nature. Um, but maybe they have other challenges like supply chain and so concerns about the ability to provide the product for the service, you know, things like that. So it's kind of a mixed bag. But in general, the e-commerce brands and health and wellness, you know, types of products, CPG products are doing pretty well and are holding up really well through this. Um, and then obviously the more brick and mortar type of businesses that are really reliant on, you know, face-to-face -face interaction, you know, to generate their revenue, you know, are the ones that are really hurting, you know, because of it. But we've seen some really cool examples where companies have really reinvented even their offering and, and product. Mm -hmm. um, you know, in order to generate revenue uh, to make it through this period of time. So it's been cool to see the creativity and entrepreneurial spirit that a lot of our clients have put into play to weather the storm and make it through. Yeah, no, that's intriguing. You think uh, all the face-to-face -face has been impacted. You, you talk about companies that have maybe changed directions or pivoted, if you want to use that word. Has there been anything in your offerings that you have had to do as a company to, you know, pivot or to help these clients further that you didn't do before? 
Yeah, we've we've done a ton, uh, made a lot of pivots, and we made them very quickly. And I'm sure we'll get into some of that later in the conversation. But specifically, you know, for our clients and service offering, it really just comes down to getting extra scrappy. So mm. our uh, theme for Q2 at Power Digital is scrappy AF, um, and so that, that's a mindset that we're really trying to, you know, bring to our customers as well as our own business. So. You know, what we're doing is just providing free services for clients outside of the scope of what we're doing. And, you know, simple things like going through their analytics, finding the pages on their website that generate the most visitors, and then, you know, optimizing those pages to grow the conversion rate. And so, you know, that might not be something that's in, uh, you know, the contract, but it gives quick wins for that brand that they'll literally feel the day that we implement. So those are the types of things that we're doing as a team. Um, we're also having team members that don't work on a specific client, you know, come and do a full analysis, you know, of the marketing strategy for them and just really bring fresh ideas to the table and poke holes, you know, into any parts of our strategy uh, so that we can make sure that we're flipping over all the stones and really uh, executing at the highest level. Um, and then, you know, lastly is just really, you know, staying in very close con contact with our clients and making sure that we understand you know, what's going on on their end and that we're there to support them, but also educating them because the customer journey is totally changed. Mm. Whether you're a B2B business or a consumer business, the customer journey and the way that they evaluate, you know, offerings or products is totally different right now than it was just 45 days ago. And so one of the things that's worked really well is just really understanding that and embracing that. And then, you know, updating the messaging, the ad creative, the, the website itself, um, as well as where we reach and prospect to these customers to uh, take advantage of that new journey. So two quick examples for you, um, you know, TikTok, uh, is, which is more for consumer businesses, but that app has just skyrocketed. And the amount of eyeballs that they have and the amount of time that people are digesting content there has grown at a amazing rate over the last 45 days. And so that's a channel where there's very low competition right now for brand, for consumer brands to reach the audience. And so we've leaned really hard into that and we've seen big wins there. And then, you know, a second example is with OTT advertising, which is basically advertising that serves to, you know, connected devices on your TV. So Apple TV, you know, those types of platforms. And so same thing there, people are digesting a lot more of that content, you know, now. And so that's a, a new place that we're reaching, you know, those customers and kind of catering to that customer journey. So those would be some of the examples, but I think more than anything, it's really, you know, how do we go outside of the scope for our clients? You know, which I think sounds counterintuitive to a lot of probably business owners, but, you know, we need to get really scrappy for our brands and help them get through this. Yeah. And the profitability of the account really doesn't matter at this point. It's survival time. So, you know, that's really what we've been focused on is how do we go above and beyond? What can we do today to drive, you know, incremental growth uh, to conversion rate or to revenue um, and, you know, really working to do that for our clientele. Yeah. So it sounds like at this period of time, it's a focus on, you know, being scrappy, going above and beyond, retaining clients in growth is through retention. It sounds like right now, and that'll create the platform for future growth. And retaining your clients is going to only help them and help you moving out of this. Now, you talked about the kind of multiple paths. Some clients have been hit really hard. Others have benefited from this. Then there's that group in the middle that have been 
you know, maybe they're down, down a little bit. Is that group of clientele, are they, are they doing anything wrong? Are they, you know, being too hands off? Are they misunderstanding anything about the market that could help those clients improve their situation that might be feeling the pain a little bit, but not extreme pain? Yeah, it's different in different cases. Um, you know, we're lucky to where we work with a lot of amazing brands that have great leaders and, and veterans that have done this. But I think that the biggest challenge that we've seen, and it's probably very similar to actually what you faced with your customer base, but is there's a lot of scared money. And so, you know, we've had to kind of talk many entrepreneurs and CEOs and brands off the ledge where they were going to cut something that is just clearly making them a very strong return and is one of the things that is actually working really well for them. And so I'd kind of like, the analogy I would use is it's like your clients that are like, you know, Matt, we got to get out of the market, sell, sell, sell right now. And, you know, that's probably the worst move that a lot of them can make because, you know, the last thing you want to do is sell when it's low. And so you're probably trying to guide them to weather the storm and be patient and have a longer term view. And it's very similar. Um, but the difference here is that I've seen, you know, clients that want to cut off a campaign that's generating a five, six, seven time type of return. And just because they're trying to cut budgets. And so I think it's critical to cut overhead. And we've done that at Power Digital. We've cut about 200,000 in, in monthly expenses, you know, from March to April. But, you know, we're looking at every single one of those expenses on, on the financials and on the general ledger. And we're cutting the ones that are not making us money uh, or that aren't mission critical. And so where I've seen the biggest mistakes that clients are making is not going to that level of detail and just more saying we need to just cut, cut, cut. And sometimes it's kind of in spite of themselves because the last thing you want to cut is something that's making you money. Like I would never cut one of my salespeople right now that's a top performer. That just doesn't make any sense. That's the last place I would go to try to reduce overhead. Yeah. Um, and so that, that's kind of the analogy and the biggest mistake. But that, that's really normal. And, you know, it's our job to be good consultants and to show them the data and, and make the case so that they're equipped uh, with the right context and data points to make, you know, smart decisions, uh, you know, for their business for right now, but also for next month and the month after that. Yeah, I can, you know, I can see how it can unfold. We got to cut, but like you are, we're trying to do more. You're trying to do more for your clients and be, be scrappier. And if these clients of yours abandon the messaging and abandon the communication with their clients and client base when things do recover they're not going to be remembered or they're, they're not going to have a chance to get out of this so it's like how do you completely cut off and abandon your client base or customer base just because it's difficult so yeah for an example you know we've got a brand this just happened in the last day and i think that they're coming into a good spot now but they just saw a huge they, they've got two kind of core sales channels, you know, direct to consumer online and then through retail. And the retail has really, really slowed. Mm. Uh, it, was, it was really hot actually in March and then it's really slowed in April. And so, but digital is actually doing really well. Um, and so they are trying to cut back on overhead. And so they look to cut back on some advertising initiatives that are e-commerce initiatives. And that's the one part of their business that's doing well. And so the data says that those dollars are making them a strong return. And just because retail is where they're taking a big hit, you know, it doesn't necessarily make sense to cut off what is making you money and, you know, divest from that. So 
you know, those are the types of conversations we're happening, but it's all, you know, human nature and there's a lot of fear out there. And I think a lot of fear is what's driving a lot of people's decision-making right now. And so, you know, we need to be empathetic to that and, and make sure that we really see the full picture, but also, you know, guide them, you know, based on what's, what's in their best interest and, and, you know, what's going to help them generate the revenue right now to get them through this period of time. Absolutely. And I want to bounce back to the platform that you mentioned recently called TikTok, and it, it's been exploding. I see it within our own household and see it with my nieces and nephews and uh, that demographic and, you know, being on that all the time. Are there certain areas of TikTok in terms of, you know, marketing that don't work for certain brands or certain types of companies, or is this like an open playing field for anybody in particular, any brand that's out there, any type of company? Yeah, I think it's really mainly just a good play for, for certain consumer brands. So if I'm a, if I'm a B2B brand, like for, for Power Digital, you know, we're a B2B model. Um, you know, we're not playing on TikTok. It, it's, sure. There's not a lot of value. It's, it just doesn't make sense. But for a lot of consumer brands, you know, if you look at your customer audience and if it lines up pretty well with TikTok, um, then there's great opportunities because there's a lot less competition in the ad platform for TikTok. Mm. So the way that these ad platforms work is they're like an auction and it's kind of supply and demand. So if there's not a lot of advertisers or dollars, then the cost comes down. And so right now it's, it's one of those platforms that can be very cost effective um, and it's kind of early, early days of it. And then same thing with influencers on TikTok. Mm. And the cool thing with TikTok, as you've probably seen, is you know, it's a, it's a great place to deliver a value proposition and message because it's done in a really creative way that's highly engaging. And so, you know, those influencers are pretty hungry to generate revenue right now themselves because everybody's really feeling this. And so there's some great partnerships to be had, you know, even just performance partnerships with those people uh, where, you know, you're paying them based on the sales that they generate. Hmm. So there's some great opportunities, but really it's more for consumer brands that, you know, have a slightly younger demographic, although we are seeing a lot of, um, you know, baby boomers, believe it or not, uh, and, and older generations that are actually starting to, you know, spend quite a bit of time on TikTok. Um, but it's a great way to create content and it's a great way to monetize those, those users, but probably not so much for B2B, um, except for maybe some certain exceptions. Understood. And, you know, with TikTok, you see, you know, people having fun and dancing and singing. Do you think some of the perhaps maybe if there has been reluctance in terms of brands getting on there is going back to the conversation around fear. Like we don't want to be seen in a certain light or we don't want to be as you know whimsical or have as much fun as is fear holding people back from getting on there or just like lack of awareness. I think it's lack of awareness and uh, probably some fear, just know how I think it can be kind of an intimidating platform yeah. I know for me personally, that's, that's the case. Like I, I couldn't imagine creating content on that platform. Sure. So I think that that's, there's a lot of, uh, of people that are just afraid to go out and, you know, create that content and put themselves out there. I do think it's easier for brands to do um, because it's going to be a little bit less human and you could actually use other people that have a lot of confidence, you know, yeah. to do that for them. Yeah. Yeah, so it doesn't need to fall on your own shoulders to do it. You could be partnering with other people who are just really good at creating the content for yes. that demographic and, and, and landscape. So, no, yeah. Nice. yeah, super. Uh, so kind of pivoting into the conversation around, you know, your own company, you know, which has grown tremendously. 
And one of the things that I know, you know, you hold close to your heart is your company's core values and culture. You know, you have this very fun headquarters office vibe, and now everyone's working remotely. So is there anything that you're doing, you know, to help maintain that tight knit culture, uh, even with everybody, you know, being remote? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I've been very pleasantly surprised just at that transition for us. So we took about 140 people from being in the office, you know, to remote. Um, and we did it pretty early in the process. We did it before it was mandated because we have pretty high density in our office. And our team has just performed at incredible levels. I, I think that we've been more productive than ever. You know, I think what, what we've really done is just been super honest, transparent, and granular in, you know, how this is impacting us and our business. Um, because, you know, we're in it together as a team. We're going to win together. We're going to lose together. And, and we're going to experience both of those through this period of time. So what we've done is just gotten really granular with that. Uh, we have a scoreboard that we're reviewing as a team every Monday. We have goals for every single week. We've got three focal areas for every team member every week. Mm -hmm. I send out updates on Wednesdays against how we're pacing against those goals. We do a really fun uh, kind of competition on Friday afternoons. It's a Zoom call. Everyone at that point is usually having you know, a drink and getting ready for the weekend and we celebrate the big wins. So we've done those things and then we've just done fun stuff. We have a culture committee that's done a bunch of fun stuff. Wild hair day, that's how I got this, this COVID-19 haircut. Um, you know, we've done yoga sessions, we've done all types of things like that. But what's, what's really cool and, and there's definitely a lot of positives, I think that Power Digital will come out of this stronger um, you know, than ever and, and that there's been a bunch of improvements because we've been forced to, but I think for any team, when you go through great adversity, which certainly right now is, it does one of two things. It either will break you uh, or it'll bond you at a much deeper level, you know, due to that shared experience. And so we have just seen it bond us and the community that we have at Power Digital for me is something that I'm incredibly grateful to for and more so during this time. And, you know, I, I know that our team feels that way too, you know, coming to our company Slack channel, being on those company calls, you know, those things are like a haven, um, you know, because the news cycle is just rough. And so, you know, that's what we've done. But I've, from day one, worked really hard to be very transparent on, you know, where what's going well and what's not and what we need to do. Um, and that way, we're all in it together and, and everybody can see the playing field. And if sacrifices are, are you know, have to be made, it's, it's a team thing and it's not an individual thing. But we've had a bunch of leaders that have just really stepped up. Um, to give you an example, you know, one of the big things that we've done is, you know, we, we see it right now as, you know, deal flow is critical because, you know, as much as everyone's playing defense, cutting costs and focusing on AR and things like that, you know, revenue definitely helps cure these issues. And so we have about 140 people right now. Um, we only have three salespeople in the company. But we have 140 people that are prospecting, you know, two brands that are winning through this thing that we can help. And so we have set more new business meetings um, each week through this than we ever have before. Um, and so, you know, our pipeline is at a record high, which is, which is needed because we've seen sales velocity is a little bit slower, meaning sales cycles take longer. And that we've seen close ratios are a little bit lower just because, uh, you know, people are hesitant. 
And so we've been able to make up for that just by having much more in the pipeline. Um, so those are the types of things where people are just throwing their job description out the window and, you know, focused on really startup mentality and being scrappy, whatever it takes. Uh, you know, a lot of hands will, will make light work. And so that's kind of what we've been really focused on. And our team has really responded in a very special way, you know, to that strategy. Yeah, that's super. I love hearing that, how, you know, people are throwing the jobs. The job description isn't the job description. It's like, what do we need to do to help this company and help our clients? And it doesn't fit inside the box on this piece of paper. It's what do we need to do to win and make sure we all win? So yes. uh, that's, that's fantastic. And so another, I know a couple of the things like your company has, has been growing internally. You've been looking for other companies to potentially partner or acquire over time. Do you view the opportunity set any differently because of this environment? Do you feel like it's going to create more investment opportunities or are you, does your lens in terms of risk change or in, uh, business risk change? Yeah, I, I think that that's one of the things that I've been really surprised that the business community and, and leaders haven't talked about a lot more is the amazing opportunity ahead of us as the market corrects and there's chaos. Mm. And, you know, as Warren Buffett has always said, you know, when, when everybody's investing and, and thinks things are great, you know, and it's, this is a butchering of his quote, but, you know, be, be tentative and, and, in the reverse scenario, when everyone's scared and running for the hills, be aggressive. And so I think that that's the case. You know, I feel that way both personally, as you know, but also with our business. And so, as you know, we have a private equity partner that, uh, that we brought on in January of last year. And so our, our strategy now is to continue our organic growth and to continue to invest in our Nova platform, um, but also to grow through acquisitions, you know, where there's, you know, really strong revenue synergies. Mm. And so, the bummer is that we had two of them that were slated to close April 9th on the same day. And they're amazing opportunities, just great companies, love, uh, love the fit and just so excited to get to work with the teams. And so those are both delayed now because we just really need to see how this scenario impacts our business first and foremost and making sure that we're stable and in a strong position to be able to do our part in those transactions and to integrate them properly, but also how it impacts their business. Yeah. And I think that the one challenge is that most companies, you know, today are, you know, less valuable than they were 45 days ago. You know, I know Power Digital, you know, certainly financially, you know, probably is less valuable now than it was, you know, a month and a half ago. And so we'll have to look at those. And on the two deals we have, our strategy is to just, you know, really look at the performance of April and May. We think that those are really gonna be the telling ones and so, however, companies really are able to weather April and May, you know, we think will show a lot of great things. We think it'll show how they're impacted by this, but also how they're able to operate in a really difficult time. Um, but I think that there's going to be a ton of deals. Like, we hope to do both those deals still. Yeah. Uh, but I think there'll be a lot of distressed asset deals. There'll be a lot of creative opportunities for companies that maybe aren't even really that focused on acquisitions. I think we're going to see, you know, entrepreneurs that have debt that has personal guarantees that they just want to get out from under. And those are exciting and can be really valuable opportunities for both sides. I think we're going to see some companies that are going under where, you know, you can kind of, you know, buy what you want that is good and pay them, you know, based on performance. So we're really bullish on kind of in Q3 and probably Q4, there's going to be a ton of amazing investment opportunities and, and the opportunity for consolidation 
and, and major growth, you know, through acquisition. Um, I feel like this quarter will be more seeing how it plays out and this PPP program will kind of delay things and give people a longer, you know, life uh, and timeline. But I think in, in Q3 and Q4, there's going to be some amazing opportunities to be had um, for companies that, you know, have strong cash positions and balance sheets and have the assets to be able to do those types of deals. Yeah, agreed. I think, as you said, this is going to be a few months out. There's some government stimulus, government programs that are going to keep the lifeline on for some companies. But at some point, the demand might not be there for all of these companies that used to be, which is then going to create opportunities for those that have good balance sheets, those that have cash flow to, you know, merge, acquire, and, you know, build, build bigger scale and bigger companies. Uh, from Yeah. And I think that there's just going to be a lot of fatigue. Um, I feel very blessed personally because we have an amazing executive team and just a, a really special and resilient leadership team. But I, I do think about, you know, CEOs or entrepreneurs that, that don't have that yet. And I think a lot of them are just getting beat up and are exhausted and fatigued. And so I think there's going to be a lot of those people that are very attracted to partnering, you know, with somebody like us or, or uh, you know, somebody else that does have that just to be able to have more of that support. So I think that there's going to be a lot of reasons why people are very motivated to do those deals. And there's going to be a lot of win-win scenarios where, you know, we can give those people what they want and what they need and, and vice versa. So super excited for that. And right now, you know, we're trying to just have as many of those conversations and, you know, meet as many of those people as we can so that, you know, if, and when that happens, you know, we get the phone call and, and, you know, we have the relationship and, and they know how we can potentially help them and, and support them through that time. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. It reminds me of, uh, of Buffett, the quote, you know, he's getting these phone calls from people that need the, the that need the partner and uh, you're positioning yourself to be that, that phone call for these other companies and to be that partner that they can then, you know, be a part of and, and grow with for the future. So super cool. Now, you know, if we go back to 2019, I know, you know, business, there's always economic cycles and risk, but if we were to go back to 2019 and I were to tell you that what we've experienced these first few months was going to happen, would there be anything that you would have done differently going into this, you know, situation? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, yes, for sure. But I don't know that it's like I would have done differently for this situation. I would have just done differently because we could have done it a lot better. Hmm. And I think that we're, you know, we're always looking for those things. But some specifically as we got a little bit lax um, uh, from an accounting perspective on our AR and, you know, accounts receivable and we let some people get behind. And so, you know, in general, that's not, you know, we, we should have been better about that regardless but certainly for companies, I think AR is one of the biggest risks in this current environment is getting caught holding the bag. And then, you know, you take down a bunch of bad debt um, or have cash flow problems and it can really hurt. So that's, that's one of the ones um, we were really aggressive. We were always really aggressive on hiring great talent. You know, my philosophy is if you have the best team, the most talented team and players and you play them in the right positions, um, to their strengths and to the, their personal hedgehogs and you don't have you know conflicting egos and things and everyone's got a team mindset that you're going to win and so we probably were pretty aggressive with that you know partly because it's really hard for us to find that type of talent that fit and that also aligns with our core values 
So I probably would have not been quite as aggressive as we were there. Mm. Um, you know, those are probably the biggest two. Uh, also, we have a new president um, that's just been a game changer for us that's leading our sales organization. Um, I, I wish we could have started him earlier. Uh, it's not that we didn't try, but man, he is making a huge impact. And he's only, you know, probably 60, 75 days into the job. If he was 100 days in, I can't imagine the impact that he'd be having. So I think that those are really the ones. But, I, you know, to me, those three things, regardless of the scenario, we should have done better anyways. And they were things that we had talked about before this, just needing to improve. And um, we're lucky because, like, for the AR piece, for example, we put a committee together that's led by our COO, JT. And we did that before COVID because we wanted to solve for that problem. And so we had already started working on that solution. But yeah, I wish we had done those things earlier. And, you know, we definitely have a lot of things that we can do better, um, regardless of the current, you know, time that we're in. Yeah, no, I appreciate how you how you said that and phrase that because it's like, yeah, if we would have known this was going to happen, it's like, how do we still make the right business decisions, irregardless of what's coming around the corner? How do we improve in these areas or have the right plan or have the right strategy or have the right reserves or get the line of credits in place? You know, whatever the economic issue or pandemic is, it's like just making smart business decisions over time. Yeah, and to that point, you know, it's we're I'm pretty cheap in general and we're very scrappy. Um, but I got a little lazy and didn't do as good of a job as I should have on the cost side of things. And so to give you an example, you know, just in terms of like consolidation of tools and things like that, you know, we cut a hundred K. Um you know, month over month, that's monthly, you know, nut. And so we should have done that regardless. Um, and so I should have been more on top of that, you know, with our finance, uh, you know, team and that group. And, you know, that's a great thing that's going to come from this is now we've really tightened the belt and we've, you know, cut stuff that doesn't drive the value and consolidated those tools. Um, and so there's definitely those types of lessons, but I wish I would have done that last year and that we would have realized the benefit for January, February, March. And there's really no excuse. Um, you know, I should have been more detail oriented with that and I should have been on top of that. And it's, it's a good lesson, but obviously this scenario forces all of us, you know, to prioritize those things and to turn over every stone. So I think for any CEO right now, if you haven't gone through every single line item of your financials and looked at every single costs, you know, I would do that right now. Um, for most businesses, it probably won't take you more than half of the day maximum. And I'm confident you'll find some easy things that you can renegotiate or consolidate or cut, um, at least for, for the short term. So that was a really valuable exercise. But, you know, I, I should have been on that last year um, and not waited for, you know, to get punched in the chin to, to go and do that. So it's a good lesson and, and a good area of opportunity for me personally. Yeah, no, that's great to hear. And I appreciate you sharing that. And I think the same thing can happen on the individual side as well. Like, where is our money going? And that might be, you know, there might be wasteful things, things on recurring payments that shouldn't be, you know, that's not adding any value that you're not getting anything out of, or there's some extra investment costs. If you haven't looked at it in the past, now is as good a time as ever to be looking at these things. It's only going to help, you know, for that future. Yeah. And, and to your point there, you know, I, I feel fortunate, obviously working with you, um, you know, and, and really creating a, you know, personal, you know, monthly P&L essentially that we're able to look at. And, you know, I know when we first got that done in the, you know, last year, you know, my 
spending was way higher than I would have thought it was. And so I feel fortunate that, you know, we were able to cut, cut that back leading up to that. But I think you're exactly right. That exercise is, is very valuable, not just on the business side, but, but personally, um, because, you know, it's, it's one thing to go get the revenue and play that offense, but from a defense perspective, you know, bringing that overhead down and, and making sure that you've got, you know, controls on where you spend is just the, it's the easiest win and you can realize it from day one. There, it's guaranteed. There's no, Hey, I think we're going to get this deal or I think we're going to generate this, this additional income. It's guaranteed. The cost is, is gone and, and you have that cash flow available to you. Right. And I think it's all related. Like if we're looking at the business and something goes, you know, things that are impacting the business owner right now, revenues down, incomes down, you're, distributions and profits down, which means you don't have the same amount of money to be spending on your personal life. And so it's all related. And so whether if you haven't wanted to look at the personal in the past, you gotta be looking at the personal because in times like this, you might be forced to cut the personal because it's not flowing through your business as it once had. And uh, now is the time to be looking. So yeah, thank you for the, the personal sharing uh, yeah. you know, about your financial situation, what you're doing within your business. So you know, all your time, insights, incredibly valuable. How can people find you, find your company, learn more about what you guys are up to and uh, any resources that you may have? Yeah, for sure. So you can find me on LinkedIn, just Grayson LaFriends. I don't think that there's an, another one. So throw it into the search. Would love to connect. And then on Power Digital, our website's just powerdigital.com. You can check us out there. We actually have a, a new updated brand refresh. Um, that we're going to be pushing live in May. The the goal is May 15th, but that's an aggressive one. So I think it, it could be probably a little later in May, but super excited to, uh, to reveal that. But in the meantime, you can find us at uh, powerdigital.com um, and would love to connect with, with any of you. And, you know, one of the things that I'm doing a lot of right now is just connecting with other entrepreneurs and CEOs and comparing notes and kind of comparing the playbook that we've used through this and what's worked and what hasn't. And, uh, you know, I think it's been a, it's been awesome. I've gotten to just meet a lot and get to know a lot of people on a deeper level through it. And I've learned a lot from those conversations and gotten a lot of value. And, and I think, and, and hope that, you know, many of them have too. So I'd love to have any of those and, you know, please reach out if, uh, if interested and let's get on a uh, 30 minute Google hangout or something and, and compare notes. Yeah, that's great. And that's the intent behind what we're doing here is, what Grace and Sharon can be applied to many different entrepreneurs, investors across industries. There's a there's multiple nuggets and gems of wisdom in this that whether you're in the restaurant industry or the aviation industry, there's things that can be applied and learned from his experiences and hope to share more of these in the future. So thanks, Grayson, for having on and being so forthcoming. Yeah, thanks for having me, Matt. Enjoyed it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you.